This is the Only Human podcast from Community Radio 4 Z out of Brisbane, Australia. Uh, today on Only Human, we have a couple of guests, and um, the first one's going to talk to us about child exploitation. Child exploitation is the name given to adult behaviour that uses children for the adult's gratification. It can include sexual assault and grooming, and in recent years, much child exploitation is being perpetrated by the internet. So our next guest is a social worker and a PhD researcher who has worked with children and families in Australia and the UK. Uh, Emma, Emma's research looks at child exploitation in Australia. Welcome, Emma. Thanks for having me. Um, it's great to be here to talk about my research. Yes. Can you tell us what the term child exploitation means to you or in your research? Um, that's a very interesting question, and it's one that might require quite a long answer. So, um, so child sexual exploitation is a type of child sexual abuse, and the term itself has emerged from international human rights discourses and advocacy. Um, and it came into play sort of around the period of 1996, the turn of the century, and it was um, language that was being introduced to reduce uh, discourses around child prostitution. So. Um, there's been a lot of work done around trying to ma- have a clear definition about what CSE actually means and what it stands for. And essentially, it's um, when a child or young person takes part in sexual activity in exchange for something, and that something can be material, such as food, shelter, drugs, etc. But it could also be emotional or psycho- psychological, such as love, protection, or a sense of safety. So th- there can be some attachment to the exploiting adult. Of course, yeah, and a lot of it is about, you brought up the term grooming, which is something that's become a very well-used term in recent years, and there's a lot of meaning associated with that. And it was also really interesting to hear when you introduced the term how you talked about there was increasing problems of child sexual exploitation online. Um, in Australia, it's, um, there's a lot of emphasis on online child sexual exploitation, but my research is thinking about other types that might not be as well responded to as online instances, although mm. there's obviously a relationship between the two. So do we know just how prevalent child exploitation is in Australia? Um, because of the um, difficulties in having a clear definition, so child sexual exploitation and child sexual abuse, these two terms are often used interchangeably or they're conflated. And so there's not really a very clear understanding of what we're talking about when we talk about child sex exploitation. I'm going to call it CSE because it's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, by way of giving an example of the types of situations that I'm worried about, I do have a story from a young person that was told in 1993. So the Brisbane Youth Service did a great report and it was um, they did some research with young people in the Fortitude Valley area. And um, this was before the term CSE had been introduced. And at those, in those days, we were talking about opportunist prostitution or survival sex or sex for favours. So this is the other type of language that was in place before CSE was introduced by the advocacy and the human rights discourse. Um, so this story, um, this is the voice of the young person. And she says, at first, I never did it for money. I'd tell myself I was doing it out of affection or whatever, but basically it was out of fear and out of need. I had nowhere to sleep other than parks and stuff like that, and it was just so dangerous. It was easier to go home with someone and sleep with them rather than just sleep in a park and be raped by a gang of people, if that makes sense. People would just come up to me in a park and they'd offer me, no, they'd say what a lovely person I was, how pretty I was, and how awful it was that I was on the streets and how terrible that was, and how they'd really like to help me, and inevitably that would involve some sort of sexual act or practice. 
And so that's a really good example of the type of child sexual exploitation that I'm worried about. So I'm worried about when children and young people are, are really vulnerable, when they're kind of marginalised from the normal structures of life, such as family and education. Um, and that vulnerability is preyed on by um, predators and, and that's how they become exploited. Yes, uh, I talked to a Brisbane Youth Service a couple of years ago and they did talk about the prevalence of couch surfing and children couch surfing really does put them at risk. They're not out on the streets, they're actually with people that they know and that's when they can be exploited because they need that safety, don't they? Yeah, very much so. I mean, when you're couch surfing, it's a very precarious position. Mm. Um, people might not necessarily know where you are and services might not really be aware of what's happening. And obviously, in terms of prevalence we were talking up about before, it's very difficult to count yeah. or under get statistics. So we really don't know how big this is as a social problem. But I would suggest that that story was from 1993. But I am quite sure that through the course of my research, I'm going to hear quite a lot of other stories that are happening today that are very similar. Mm. So can you tell us, um, just to gauge the just how bad this is as a practice, um, what the effects are on children who've been exploited? I think the effects are completely holistic in terms of there's risks to um, physical, emotional and every aspect of a person's life. Um, I would say that the impact of being sexually exploited is very similar to the impact of being a domestic violence victim where there's been um, coercion and control so that impact to your sense of self and, and your disempowerment um, it obviously not only has physical and emotional impacts, but it has a, an Im Im impact on your whole sense of being, and it, I think it, it can sort of be life-changing. Mm, it can be very long-lasting, can't it? Mm, that's right. So it's like your life trajectory would be completely um, mis misshapen by that. So when we look at the community and we see people who are homeless or have substance use problems, uh, some of them could be victims of child abuse, I suppose? That's right, and I think the, the real danger, and I think often as professionals where we can sometimes find responding to this difficult is that there's um, frequently a lot of victim blame. So there might kind of be narratives or judgmental societal attitudes saying, well, these young people should just go home without really thinking of the home that they've had to leave. Or they might say, well, you've chosen to use drugs and therefore you've chosen to put yourself in this position of danger. And so I think um, victim blame is another way that society and the system kind of again damages and traumatizes someone who is yeah, exposed to yeah. sexual exploitation. So parents listening today might like to know what it is they can do to prevent exploitation happening to their children. Is it something you can speak about? Um, I think the, the most important aspect is um, if your children have all of their needs met um, then hopefully then they won't be vulnerable to be groomed or to seek affection or, or to have their needs met elsewhere and so in terms of protecting your own children I, I think the most important thing is keeping the lines of communication open so that your children and young people feel they can always talk to you if they're worried about something. Um, with online safety, obviously there's a lot of instances where young people might find themselves blackmailed or coerced into providing, say, a picture of themselves naked and then they might be too scared to talk to their parents. So trying to have these sort of conversations early around these are the sorts of things that can happen. It would be good if you didn't do it, but if you did do it, you can always talk to me about it so they don't feel trapped and and that's where you sort of end up going down the road of being sexually exploited. Mm, that's right. So if they, you can't communicate with your parents, who can you communicate with? Yeah. So what can we do as bystanders, especially listeners who might be in a position to do something? I think it's really important to be very aware of the narrative. 
um, how we think and talk about young people, especially those who might be disengaged from what we consider to be the normal activities of society. So um, let's try not to be judgmental if young people aren't going to school and be a bit more curious to find out why that might be and, and to see if we can um, support young people into connection to services so that, that they are getting their needs met by a family or by some member of the society. And I think if a community can act as a community, then that puts in some safeguards because it's when these young people are very isolated and alone and that might be online, that could be out on the streets as an extreme example, but that's when the danger is really prevalent. You're listening to Only Human on 4777. We've been talking to researcher Emma Rees and Emma Rees is doing some research into child exploitation at QT. Can you tell us what your research hopes to uncover, Emma? Um, I'm really keen to speak to survivors, so adults who maybe experienced child sexual exploitation when they were children. I want to hear the stories and understand the circumstances in which it occurs. I mean, the ultimate goal, and I'm not sure the PhD is going to achieve it, but um, I'd really like to be able to understand how we prevent it and to make sure that our um, child protection practices and our policing practices are all joined up and, and giving a really robust response so that children don't get sexually exploited in the first place. And then if they do, they're not blamed and they're not um, undermined and they are actually able to be um, put in a safe place or protected. So um, you're halfway through your research at the moment? Um, Have you started collecting year. stories? No, not quite. So no. um, the first year was really um, trying to maintain um, the focus of, of what I was going to do and which methods I was going to use. So I'm choosing to use feminist methods um, because I think they're the, um, the best ways of identifying there's a real silence around this I mean I've got a story from 1993 but I don't have a story that's been documented in research mm. that in contemporary times so um, I feel like they're the really the best best methods and also that makes sure that the survivors are the experts um, I know a lot about the issue from um, an academic knowledge base and as a practitioner but I don't really understand what it feels like or, or what happens when you become exploited so I think it's really important that the experts um, talk about their experiences and any potential solutions. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So um, what do you think your research will be able to contribute to helping children in the future? I think that I'd like to, um, we have the term child sexual exploitation. It's used as part of our discourse, um, but I don't know that it represents all of the range of experiences that young people have s experienced. So I think I want to just start to con contribute to changing that discourse, to say, yes, online child sexual exploitation is really significant. It's a real risk and it's really damaging. And there is a connection between that and other types of child sexual abuse that happen in the community. But I just want to make sure that when we're using the term, um, anyone who's a victim of any type is represented by that term. And then any kind of practice or um, policy that's related to the term ensures that everyone's needs and safety is met and provided for. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're just at that, almost at the uh, interview gathering stage. How can people find out about your research or participate if they want to? Um, so I have a Twitter account and a Facebook page and I'm, I'd like to start kind of placing some scenarios of child sexual exploitation on there to get people to understand because I'm, I'm not sure if you've been a victim of this if you're necessarily going to relate your experience to the term so I think it's really important for me to start articulating what I think the term means and the types of experiences I'm trying to capture um, so I can be found on Facebook and Twitter and um, I'd like to start to I probably won't start recruiting until next year 
and um, at that stage I have a really clear strategy in terms of th those I'd like to try to find and um, encourage to participate so they can be part of forming some new knowledge and mm -hmm. some new solutions to the problem. And hopefully we'll talk to you again at that time. Wonderful, <laughs> that would be great. Is there anything else you'd like to tell listeners before we finish? Um, I think that um, it's just really important that we don't blame victims, that we always have an open mind and that our young people are a resource for the future. And um, yes, they, there may be some difficult behaviours that people engage in, but I think be curious and let's question as to why that might be the, the case and see what needs might not be met, that, that society and us as a community can try to fill those needs. Thanks so much, Emma. Thank you, Emma, for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. If you or anyone you know is a child and is experiencing abuse or sexual ex exploitation, you can call the Kids Helpline. The number is 1-800-55-1800. That's 1-800-55-1800. And also for listeners who might be affected by the content of today's story, we urge you to talk to a professional. Lifeline is also available 24-7 and their phone number is 13-1114. You are listening to the Only Human podcast. Only Human is a weekly program on social justice, disability rights, psychology, social research and mental wellness. You can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. Love community media? You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing or making a donation at 4ZZZFM.org.au.